Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm Dr. Kelly Jones. And this is Big Strong Yes. Um, so I guess we just get started talking about uh, why we want to do this podcast. Okay. <laughs> you know, what is this podcast about? Um, why, why Big Strong Yes, Dr. Jones? Why Big Strong Yes? Well, see, I met this woman named Lonnie Diane Rich, who is amazing at titles. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure we had a little bit of wine over the phone one night and did a whole bunch of brainstorming. <laughs> and then the next day, she woke up and said, oh, Big Strong Yes. <laughs> Yeah, no, it takes it takes forever. Like, this is the thing. Either the title is immediate or it takes forever. But, you know, we've got these three books. Right. You know, we've got Rising Strong um, about, like, the courage to get up after a fall. We've got Big Magic, which is all about, you know, and again, it's, like, all about courage. It's about the courage to be creative and to pursue yourself as a creative person um, and to pursue the things that you want to do creatively. And then we've got Year of Yes, written by Shonda Rhimes. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Rising Strong, of course, written by Dr. Brene Brown. Um, Big Magic, written by the luminous and amazing Elizabeth Gilbert. And then Year of Yes written by Shonda Rhimes, who is just one of the most kick-ass, like, wonderful, amazing people. I, I absolutely, I always liked her, but after reading that book, I just, I love her. She is amazing. So we have these three books that are all about, like, courage, creativity, and the call to adventure. And when you put them together, it becomes this whole experience. And honestly, every single one of these books were books that you made me read. <laughs> so I, I um, in a weird way, I found each of these books by accident and yeah. ended up somehow listening to them each almost back to back, like almost in order. Yeah. And they, they reverberated with me so strongly. Um, and I, I just, they resonated with me so strongly and mm -hmm. I had such a strong reaction to each of them, but listening to them together Mm -hmm. was just amazing and they became like a holy trinity <laughs> for me the, yeah. these three books yeah. and these are three very different women um but they're very strong women and they're very comfortable in their own skins and I think they've worked very hard to become that way and I think mm -hmm. that they they have very personal journeys that they share through this work but they share it in a way that is while sometimes very difficult I mean some of some of the parts of these books is, is challenging, but, but mm -hmm. they do that in a way to uplift others, you know, and, and share their stories yeah. as a way of helping people. And they do it with this very positive, you know, badassery and like that, that common thread that runs through these, these three books and through these, these three women, it's just this absolute authentic badassery. And, and they all use that they word, do. that specific word. Yeah. And it's funny because they all do sort of know each other. I know mm -hmm. Brene Brown and Elizabeth Gilbert definitely right. do. And I'm, I'm sure they've probably, you know, bumped into Shonda Rhimes once or twice, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, being that there's there's only so many incredibly brilliant, very famous women. I imagine they almost <laughs> hang together. Uh, there's probably uh, like but, a yeah, secret they, lounge somewhere, right? <laughs> I think when you're that famous, right? When you're that famous and, you know, you, you work on such a public 
you know, stage that mm-hmm. everything you do has such a bright light shone upon it. I imagine, and I don't know because that, that obviously isn't my life, but I mean, I imagine that it's hard to find other people who kind of understand what that experience is like. I would think so. You know, yeah. and so it's, I don't think it's that they're, they're all snooty and like, I will only hang out with other famous women <laughs> no, who are also so brilliant either. and badass. <laughs> you know, but I think that like, you know, they, they, they come, they're all cut from a very similar cloth. Yeah. You know, and they have experiences that very few people could really understand. You know, and it's not to say that they can't have a friend who isn't that. But I mean, I just imagine like, you know, in my in my perfect world, I imagine the three of them hanging out and having mimosas. Oh, me too. Together. Absolutely. You know, I, just, I like yeah, that. Me too. I like that idea. I have them all at like a beach cottage and they're all secretly working yeah. on a book together that, yes. you know, mm-hmm. they will then make available to the world. But um, yeah. I think the other thing that connects their work for me is this this idea of storytelling and the way that they each approach storytelling. And so this is mm-hmm. Dr. Brene Brown. I think this is her fifth or sixth book. But this one resonated with mm-hmm. me the strongest of all her work because she took a much more personal approach to storytelling in this book. Mm-hmm. And, and it's funny because in Big Magic, Elizabeth Gilbert actually talks about helping Brene Brown with the creativity needed to write rising strong yeah um and then all three of these are available as audiobooks and each woman read her own her own book her own book which is so fantastic because i actually have a few brene brown audiobooks Mm -hmm. and i can't listen to them because it's it's one of those perfect you know those perfect almost robotic voices that's made for voiceover for like commercials in like a 15 or 30 second but like to have a whole book read by that and i don't want to like slam this because this woman has this obviously you know very beautiful highly trained voice but I want somebody who's real I want to hear the voice of the author and I actually generally prefer books that are read by the actual author rather than books that are you know read by by a professional like voice person me too except for my books because no. the woman who read my books, the, the woman who read my Lucy March books is Amanda Ronconi. She's an amazing actress. And she does have that um, that very personal sense. And yeah. she does an amazing job with my books that I would never be able to do. But uh, aside from her. Well, you know, like, it's, it's much, funny, you know? though, because Amanda Ronconi mm-hmm. is one of those narrators that made me start listening to audiobooks. And when I mm-hmm. first got into Audible, um, I started searching for books by narrator which I oh, never yeah. would have done, you know, so I, know, I ended up but reading, some of them are so right? Good. So mm-hmm. that was what led me to Molly Harper and her fabulous mm-hmm. funny books and, and stories mm-hmm. that I wouldn't have heard otherwise. But the idea of, of following a narrator instead of a writer was, was kind of intriguing. Yeah. Um, it's a new thing. Yeah. It really is. But Amanda Ronconi is so worth following. Yeah, she's amazing. I love she, her. She is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And some of my other favorite, like Jocelyn Jackson is one of my favorite authors. Mm-hmm. Oh, and she's yeah. an amazing narrator. I mean, she, she and she I is. love listening to her books when she reads them. It just adds. This well, she was also whole, an actress. Yeah. Yeah. And she's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it just adds yeah, this. She's wonderful. I love her. Yeah, th- mm-hmm. This element of voice and authenticity and, and mm-hmm. it just feels more like they're sharing their story with you. Um, and I loved hearing, mm-hmm. I, I listened to each of these on audio before I bought the hard yeah. copy of the books and mm-hmm. just kind of fell in love with them that way. And then I became like an annoying disciple. And started forcing these books on all of my friends. And I was like, you, you have to read this. This 
and this. Um, no, it was really good though, yeah. you know, because like, you know, I was at a point like I've, I've recently, you know, divorced yep. for the second time. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, and uh, so I'm going through this whole process and it's been, you know, I don't mind telling everybody like the most devastating experience of my life yeah. um, because of a lot of details, which I'm not going to go into here just to say that it was, it's been very, very difficult. And, um, and you, of course, being my friend and helping me work through this stuff, you like, you know, listen to me cry and weep and scream and you'd be like, all right. So these books, I'm like, okay, <laughs> no. fine. By the way, because I wasn't in the mood. Like, <laughs> you need these books. <laughs> you need these books more than anybody in the world has ever needed no. a book. You need these books. No, I know, but I'm like, you know, if so, so you fall in a in a cave and people are coming by with mm-hmm. ropes and pickaxes and emergency bottles of water, and I'm like, dude, you need yeah. this book. <laughs> you need these books, but you know what? It was really good for me. Like, and I was uh, sometimes people will recommend something to me and I'm resistant like I just don't feel like I'm in the mood for it and and the thing is like at that point I was so it was like being shivved in the stomach and left on the side of the road like what happened to me and the way that it happened and as fast as it happened you know and I was just there bleeding and and clutching my gut and trying to like take every breath so that I just stayed alive you know and uh and I I was unable like the only thing I could do was watch like terrible 1990 sitcoms I watched all of Cheers I watched all of Frasier I watched all of friends oh, watched, like all of these like nine, <laughs> like it was bad is what I'm saying it was bad you know and um and then I was like all right you know I'm like Kelly's telling me I need to listen to these books I'm gonna listen to these books and um, I started with Brene Brown with Rising Strong yeah I'm sorry about that I couldn't do it it was, just, it was too <laughs> I hard I should have mixed was, up the no, order I think, like, <laughs> Exactly. No, it's re- it was really good. But the thing, Brene Brown, and we're starting the podcast with Brene Brown. That yeah. is the toughest material oh, to man. get through because it is so raw and it's so personal, but it's been really good. Um, but uh, Big Magic was actually the one that I was able to, um, what Big Magic did, because I'm a writer and I've been, you know, creative for years and I've been, I've been doing this kind of work and I, and I love, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so what Big Magic did for me was it reintroduced me to myself. Like, I would I'd forgotten who I was, you know, throughout the course of my marriage, I had more and more lost who I was lost connection with myself and big magic was able to allow me to reconnect with myself, you know, and with that part of me that is creative and um, a part of me like that, that hadn't suffered the trauma, like the creative part of me was still whole and complete. Everything else, you know, was shivved and bleeding on the side of the road, but, (laughs) but the creative part of me was still whole and complete. And when I was able to hold on to that with, you know, big magic, that gave me enough strength to get through rising strong which um which was difficult yeah. um and it, it's difficult material especially because you know one of the things that there's this uh podcast called the moth i don't know have you ever listened oh, to that yeah, it's like a storytelling podcast yeah. right so one of the pieces of advice that they give people who come on the moth is that they need to speak from the scar, not the wound, which means that if you have a story to tell that is deeply personal and, and you know, traumatic, like you can't have that experience and then come on the moth and talk about it, you know, a week or a month or even a year later. Right. Like you have to let it heal over and then you can talk about it, you know, and because of, you know, my situation, the last six months of my life that I've been, I've been 
been basically, you know, all wound, no scar, you know, and so <laughs> trying to trying to deal with, you know, all of these things that you need to address in Rising Strong, which is all about, you know, you've fallen on your face, right. your whole life has fallen apart. You know, I lost my husband and my business and everything and everything that I thought was real in the world, you know, like what I believed in was not real. And then I discovered that and that was awful, you know. So there were all these things that I had to like pick up and, and figure out and Rising Strong worked through that. And I, I was still wounded, but but big magic had given me just enough to hold on to that I could like work through that. And then I went into year of yes. And year of yes is, you know, because because big magic is about creativity and rising strong is about courage and, and finding, you know, finding it within yourself to get back up, you know, which can sometimes be the most difficult thing. And then year of yes is about, okay, what are you gonna do now? Right. <laughs> you know, like right. what action are you going to take? So uh, having these three books, you know, over the last, I would say, like eight weeks or so that I've been I've been listening to them at your urging. <laughs> um, it has been it has been like a, almost a miraculous part of this healing process for me, even though I'm still like I'm still obviously in the wound, but I'm I'm more scar than I was, you know, yeah, and you're I'm not as much like that fresh wound the way right. that I and, was. Before. And you're building scar tissue every day which is, you know, amazing. Mm -hmm. But I do think that that these books do offer some really incredible tools, not just for healing, but for doing Mm -hmm. more than healing, right? It's not just about getting back to a point of survival or stability. Mm -hmm. Like it's about getting to the point of thriving and being happy and being, you know, luminous, Um, which is, it's almost taking that to a whole nother level. Um, But it's Mm -hmm. funny because years and years ago, I actually learned the concept of towering from you. Oh, um, right, what, the towering. right, the towering. Um, and I think about that. Oh, well, all let the me time. explain yes. that. What that so is for you? People explain who don't that know. because I, you taught that to me. I did. I did. Yeah, I actually used it in a book I wrote uh, some years ago called The Fortune Quilt. And um, I wanted to write uh, a book about somebody who had been towered, which is basically there's this uh, tarot card called the tower. And it is the worst tarot card. It is the one like you look at it and it's just horrifying, like the image on the tower almost. I mean, all of the art can be different from tarot deck to tarot deck but usually the tower is always horrifying it's like this tower it's crumbling at its base it's tilting over it's in the midst of falling people are jumping off the top (laughs) to their most certain death and people are screaming and crying often there's lightning you know in the background there's like just everything is just everything is falling apart and what that is is that there are certain points in your life where everything falls apart you know, everything just crumbles to the ground. Everything that you built your life on um, just crumbles to the ground. And there may be some people out there who haven't had this experience. I tend to have it every, I don't know, six or seven years. It's a yeah. thing. Um, <laughs> Me too. But, you know, <laughs> but the towering is is one of the things that's great about the tower. The tower experience is horrifying and, and surviving it is, is a really difficult thing to do because it's so terrifying. But once you're done, once your ass has hit the ground, <laughs> you know, and you look back at all the crumbled pieces of stone around you that had been your life, you slowly can pick them up and rebuild something that is stronger and that is better and that you've learned from that experience and you've built something new, you know? Um, and, uh, and so that's like the positive side of the towering, but you know, to be towered, to have your whole life just completely crumble and then you've got to find a way to rebuild it. It's a really great, 
place to work for fiction because, you know, one of the great things about fiction is you torment the characters as much as possible, you know, and there's right. nothing that torments people more than a good towering. So I'm sorry, go ahead. What were you saying about the towering? No. So it was just the thought that if you've been through a towering, um, mm-hmm. you know, first of all, let's get together and, and have a glass of wine because damn, um, <laughs> but, Absolutely. you know, but then, so then you're on the ground. You know, and you're flat, and I always picture this some for some reason that there's also a lot of mud in this scene. Like I, yeah. I don't seem to fall mm-hmm. in like nice grassy meadows, right? I tend to fall in mud. <laughs> Maybe that's just that Georgia yes. clay part of my upbringing. I don't know, but it's and it's not just mud, right? It's red clay, squishy mm-hmm. mud that's going to stain like every like it's it's bad. You don't want to fall in this mud, but that is where I fall right. when I when I'm towered. Mm-hmm. And then you have the giant pieces of the structure that has fallen with you. So you've got these, you mm-hmm. know, crumbling shreds of your life that used to exist beside yeah. you. And putting that shit back together is hard. <laughs> I um, know. And and I think that these books and then there's a lot of, you know, self-help books and how-to books and I'm a huge advocate for therapy and for support groups and all of those mm-hmm. things. But there's something about I don't know, almost, you know, alchemical or magical about the concepts mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of these three books together that I found um, Rising Strong gave me a framework. And like Dr. Brown, mm-hmm. I'm a researcher. And so when I can get my mm-hmm. head around a framework, if that's a conceptual framework or a research framework or an idea framework, but it, it provided mm-hmm. a structure for processing and thinking about, you know, different things in ways that I never had before. And then right. Big Magic gave me inspiration and this level of enchantment you know, to re-engage with creativity in a way that I had not done in a long time. And then Year of Yes Mm -hmm. really gave me a model to follow, right? So it was a methodology. So you give me a framework, Mm -hmm. you inspire the hell out of me, and you give me a methodology, and I feel like I can do anything. And I think that... I love your language for this stuff. (laughs) Because you have that. You can hear the PhD in your language. So which part of the language? The imagery or the cussing? Because they tend to go together. No, the cussing cussing isn't the PhD. That's being a woman. That's being just sick and tired of the bullshit. Which, by the way, we should we should mention this too. This uh, podcast is going to be explicit. We are going to have adult language as we talk about adult things. Um, so uh, so just be prepared. This may not be a podcast that you want to listen to with your young kids in the car because I've taught my kids how to curse. If you want me to teach your kids how to curse, just let them listen to me. Um, but if you don't, if that's not your choice, then I think that uh, you may want to listen to us with headphones. This one, um, we're yeah. a headphone podcast. Yeah, we're a headphone, (laughs) adult issues, adult language, adult beverage kind Mm -hmm. of podcast. Adult Um, beverage. I think we should do that. We're recording these on Friday nights. We should record these with wine. We absolutely should. Are you drinking wine? I am. Oh, I'm not. I am. All right. That's okay. Next week. Next week I'll get the wine. (laughs) I mean, sometimes my Friday night adult beverage is tea. It doesn't matter, but (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I taught my son how to cuss too, and um, I actually designed a, a miniature curriculum for him in middle school on sarcasm, irony, and and the use of language based on The Simpsons, and so we watched the, we watched The Simpsons <gasps> together with that. With Do you that. still have that? That is the most brilliant thing ever. I have notes from it. Yeah. So, um, oh he, my god, yeah, we had so much fun with it. And but the problem is, it it worked too well. 
And so now yeah. I have an 18-year-old who is, you know, incredibly intelligent, and his his sarcasm ability is exceeding my own. And I feel like the Jedi Master oh. that has, you know, created this force that is now stronger than me. Right. And <laughs> it's like, damn. <laughs> but, you know, um, yeah, yeah. You never know, because you give them those powers, right? and then you don't know what they're going to do with right. them. <laughs> you know, they'll use them again. <laughs> But I, I, I do cuss, and um, and it is sort of unusual for an academic. But I, I have found power in being able to to cuss when I feel like it, and and being able to um to cuss like a lady. I like it. <laughs> oh yeah, so. no, absolutely. Here's the thing: like, there's this classic, you know, complaint. Like, oh, if you're using curse words, then you're not being creative, and you're not being whatever. But the studies have shown that curse words actually originate in a different part of the brain from regular language. They, they originate from the limbic system. And, and I'm, I'm, as I say this, mm-hmm. I'm going to say, do I understand the limbic system? No. Am I a brain neuro person? No. Obviously, I'm a writer. I'm a storyteller. I'm a story expert. Like, that's the kind of stuff that I know. I don't know anything about it. All I know is I read a couple of studies and it made sense <laughs> to me. Um, so that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that I, I clicked on something. It was clickbait and whatever. But what I read in this clickbait was uh, that, that, and I believe it, that, that curse words come from a different place. They come from your emotional center yes. and that they actually do have an incredible amount of power. There was this one study they did where they had people like stick their hands in like ice water, which is something that you do when you're pregnant and they want you to like prepare for the pain, right. like see how long you can hold your hand in the ice water, right? So they did that. And some people, they said, go ahead and curse while you're doing mm-hmm. that, right? Forget the, forget Lamaze, just curse, <laughs> curse a blue streak, right? And the other people had to just sit there and suffer. And the people who cursed actually didn't experience pain to the same level as the people who didn't. Right. So there is a power to this language. And actually, language has an incredible amount of power. All language has an incredible amount of power. Um, and so some of these words are very powerful. And I think that how you use them, you must be careful and respectful in the way that you use them. You must use them properly. Absolutely. Um, you know, to, to curse, you know, constantly all the time you lose the power you lose the magic in the words so it's definitely this isn't going to be like a blue streak type of podcast but every now and again when we got to drop you know an f-bomb or something like that I think that it's appropriate that we do that and it's totally fine because they're we are dealing with very real very personal sometimes somewhat difficult you know discussions and so we're going to be very real when we discuss them well and I will say too um and and a warning here I'm going to drop an f-bomb in just a second with a quote but oh, for um, it, <laughs> so and and what you're saying about cussing in that part of the brain is is actually true and I am a PhD oh, good. and I can speak to the so neurology you know. of it. Yes. Um but it also comes from meme theory. And so we can talk mm-hmm. about the sociological construct of cussing if someone really wants to get that much into a debate with me, I will provide footnotes and we will make it a party. And it will be awesome. Oh my God. <laughs> but- I, I love that you're so smart. I really do. I love that you've got, I love that you're dropping stuff like meme theory. I think that that's fantastic. Yeah. That makes me I'm so A little happy. bit of a geek. But my favorite. <laughs> no, I love my it. My favorite meme mm-hmm. on this. Um, I actually, mm-hmm. so this is the kind of academic that I am. So inside of the notebook where I kept notes for my dissertation, I had a collection mm-hmm. of memes that I had printed out that would, 
help me not, you mm-hmm. know, want to throw myself off a cliff during graduate school. Right. And one of them is Samuel L. Jackson. And it says, studies have shown that intelligent people swear more than stupid motherfuckers. And it was like my favorite <laughs> research quote of all time. And I think finally my dissertation chair was like, you know, you're not putting that in your study. <laughs> I was Aww. like, oh, come on, please. So that's no fun. I know, right? So there you go. An <laughs> academic who cusses. <laughs> yes. No, I like it. I think that's great. Um, okay, so in the first book, Rising Strong, we're going to start with the research and storytelling as methodology, which is sort of a, an introduction that that Dr. Brown has in um, in that book. Then we go to Truth and Dare, which is another introduction, and then Chapter One, the Physics of Vulnerability. So we're going to start with that. Uh, the first episode of Big Strong, yes, is going to drop on Wednesday, June twenty first. So that's when you. You can hear that. So listeners out there, uh, get the book, get the audiobook, go through those parts, write down your thoughts, have your big thanks, and then listen to us. And we will share our thoughts and our responses um, to that as well with you on June 21st. That's when the first episode drops. Um, and uh, we're also going to be doing some some other things within the podcast. We're going to be talking about the big ideas, which uh, in the reading are the the big aha moment to, you know, to steal something from Oprah. Uh, the light bulb moment, those those moments where you're just completely, you know, inspired by something that is said within those readings. Um, we're going to hit on the strong challenge, which is the hard truths uh, when you want to turn off the audiobook, when you want to shut the book and throw it against the wall. Uh, there are times, especially in Rising Strong, where I am completely challenged by the material. Um, so uh, so that's that's where we're going to be talking about the courage, you know, like the, the aha moment, the light bulb moments, that's the creativity and the inspiration. Um, the moments that you have to like keep pushing yourself through this book because you're like, oh my God, I can't handle it. It's too difficult to think about this stuff. Um, that's where you have to find your courage. And then we're going to talk about what our yes is. What from the reading made us say yes? What is the action that we're going to take um, based on what we read this week? So it's going to be the big idea, the strong challenge, and our personal yes. So those are the three questions that we're going to answer. And listeners, if you want to answer them too. That would be fantastic. We will have a forum available at chipperish.com slash forum um, open for Big Strong Yes, where everybody can come in and have discussions about the material. Um, and uh, so that's going to be available. Uh, it's going to be pretty fun. Oh, it's going to be awesome. And for those of you who are not as into, you know, public forum discussion of your most personal thoughts and feelings, <laughs> you can send an email to BSY for Big Strong Yes, but it's just BSY at chipperish.com. And that is an email address that both Dr. Jones and I will be uh, taking a look at. So you can send uh, send anything you like. You can send questions uh, for the, the podcast. If you have questions you'd like to ask us, you can send them there. You can put them on the forum. Uh, you can tweet. <laughs> I am at Lonnie Diane Rich. And, uh, and Dr. Jones is at Fried Scholar. So one of the things that I am challenging myself to do through this process is to journal. I've been wanting to write more. I think reflective journaling is a great way of thinking through what you're learning and processing what you're learning. Um, So in preparation for the podcast each week, I'm going to journal through the reading. And I encourage all of you listening to journal along as well. And then also kind of let us know what you think of that journaling process. 
Oh, yeah. I, I got to say, I'm so resistant to journaling. I am too. I don't know why I'm so resistant to journaling, but usually when I'm resistant to something, it means that it's the exact thing that I have to do. Me too. I am <laughs> resistant to journaling because I am hard-headed and stubborn, and yeah. it takes me learning a lesson about 14 times, which is why I get towered on a regular basis, yeah. because mm-hmm. the universe keeps saying, hey, dummy, you know how you like to write and you really enjoy the feeling of a pen on paper and you know the fact that your brain processes stuff this way? Why don't you journal? And I'm like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I know. I know. So I'm a writer. I can write fiction, but I'm just like, I, I don't, I don't particularly care for, for journaling. I don't like, I think there's something about me getting into like my feelings yeah. like I hate that me too I hate, that. I hate, that I hate talking so about my freaking feelings yeah. you know yeah. um Vo- but vulnerability really not really yeah, yeah not really my strong suit I'm not but, um not into it yeah but I do think I'll get a lot more out of of this so I've I've listened to these books multiple times I've read mm-hmm. them but I think that shifting from passive reader no matter how mm-hmm. passionately engaged you are as a passive reader there is something about becoming active by either doing your own writing, leading this discussion, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. talking about this books with, with friends. The power of the reading comes in that transformation that happens when you write about it, when you talk about it, when you apply it. Mm-hmm. So I'm really, right. really pushing myself to do that. All right. I'll do it with you. Okay. Awesome. I'll, I'll, I'll do it even though I really don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're going to be end up saying that phrase a whole lot during this. Too, but it's <laughs> this all process, about the courage. Right? It's courage, creativity, and the call to adventure. None of which you're going to want to do. do. Exactly. But you no. should do them anyway. Yeah. Nobody said this was going to be stuff that you actually want to do. Exactly. Also, at the end of each episode, we're going to end with a quote to, to end on something positive and, and leave us all something to think about. This week's ending quote is from Louisa May Alcott, who said, I am not afraid of storms, for I am learning how to sail my ship. Big Strong Yes is a chipperish media production and is entirely funded by listeners like you. To find out how you can support Big Strong Yes and everything chipperish media does, visit patreon.com slash chipperish. Thanks, y'all.